0: Turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Philippians, chapter 1. We're going to begin reading here. um, Actually, we'll be in verse 7, but we're going to begin reading in verse 3. When I was a kid, I had a, a little parakeet named George. George was a great bird. Uh he, he would actually he would fly and he would sit on your, your shoulder and he'd give you kisses. Uh, if you stuck your finger out, he was flying through the air, he'd come land on your finger. I mean, just a great bird, real good natured, never bit me, never did anything. Uh, but one fateful day, my mother was going out to take some laundry out, to hang out some laundry, and the bird flew out the door into the great blue yonder, and we never saw it again. So my parents actually went and they got me another bird that looked exactly like George. And uh, this bird, I think, was possessed by a demon. Uh, I remember the first time I ever picked it up, it bit me five times in two seconds. It was just amazing. Uh, And uh, that bird was mean and cantankerous and uh, wanted nothing to do with me. And I remember we kept it for a couple of years and it finally flew into the wall and it died. And I wasn't really all that broken up about it. Uh, They had two completely different dispositions. You know, as as people, we have different personalities and different dispositions and uh, we're all different. But God has called us as Christians to also have Jesus living through our lives so that we have the disposition of Christ. Uh, he has called us and Paul said it this way he said I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and uh, we're called now God still uses our personality he still uses our temperament and our gifts and so forth but God wants us to live in the strength of Christ and in the life of Christ, the empowerment of Christ, so that we have His very character and disposition in our lives. Now, Paul is writing to the Philippians, and you know, many times churches are different and churches go through seasons, and uh, sometimes these things are not the case. Uh, and then other times you have. The goal of God being met in a group of people, and it is one of the sweetest and most wonderful things it could be, when God's glory rests on a church, and people are loving each other the way they should, and the fellowship of God is there. It is is truly one of the great things and blessings of life that God could ever give us. Uh, That Paul is writing to the Philippians, and he has this kind of fellowship with them. And you could just hear it. I mean, the words that are given, probably no greater... Address of affection in any of Paul's letters to any of his churches as the one that we're going to read here. Uh, and he's sharing his heart with them, but he's also sharing the reasons why he has the confidence that God is going to complete the good work in them. He's seen the evidence. He's seen God working in their lives. And he knows that they belong to him. They, he sees the mark of God upon them. So as God's people, we need to live in the life of Christ through the Spirit's power. And the title of my message is Evidence of God's Transformation. And so look with me in verse 3. It says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. You are all partakers with me in the grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I deeply miss all of you with the affection. Of Christ Jesus and I pray this that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so evidence for God's transformation how does God show his work in your life well uh, we see that God produces through Christ in us God produces heartfelt love Uh, if you look in verse 7 Uh, It says, I have you in my heart. There are two little guys along with their parents that I have in my heart. (laughs) We say that about our kids. We say that about our grandkids. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know the love that God has given us in, in our families? Even greater is the love that God has given us through Christ. And God's called us to love one another with that love. Now, yes, love is a decision, and I've preached messages where I've talked about love is a decision. Sometimes you just got to make a decision to love somebody. They're, they're not like you. They have a different kind of personality, and maybe they're great on you. And you got to make a decision to love them in the power of the Holy Spirit. You treat them with kindness. You treat them with respect, and and you do good for them. Uh, but That's not God's ultimate goal, okay? The decision is the starting place. God wants it to go beyond just the mere volition and choice to love each other to actually having a deep, heartfelt love. And if you look uh, in verse 8, he says, God is my witness how deeply I miss you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, that word... Affection is kind of a Casper Milquetoast translation of this word. Literally, the word means the intestines, the bow, the bowels. Okay, and it's we don't use that kind of terminology, which is why they say affection. Okay, but uh, this word it it means that we feel that feeling down deep in our gut. For someone. You know, when you had desperately love someone, there's a, a, a feeling down deep in your gut uh, when you think of them in your way, right? Uh, and or especially if you're concerned about them, as Paul was about the, the Philippians. There's this, there's this moving in your emotions, this deep love. This is what Paul says he feels for the Philippian believers. Now, I want to tell you something. You know, oftentimes that's not the case in churches, right? Uh, I could remember uh, there was one time uh, I had done something some people didn't like in a church, and I could hear them talking about me in the next room. Isn't that lovely? Uh, you know, and they they were kind of gossiping about me. Uh, I'm sure that you have had, if you've been a Christian very long, you've probably had some negative experiences in church. But I want to tell you something. Uh, when God produces this kind of heartfelt love, it is so sweet. It is so sweet. And uh, Paul says, look, I, he says, I, I just want you to know, I love you, and it's no ordinary love, I deeply love you. I love you with a feeling down deep in my gut. And uh, you're a part of my heart. And this is, this is what God's called us to. And when Christ is living through us, and the more Christ lives through us, the more we love people that way. I remember uh, there's an old song by the cathedrals uh, uh, that uh, uh, they, they go back. And he, he's talking about how Jesus changed his life. And, uh, and he says, uh, I went back to the place where I used to live. And uh, he says, I, I, my little boys, I said, you've got a brand new daddy now. Isn't that a wonderful thing how Jesus can mend family relationships? Um, But I want to tell you something. As you grow in Christ, that can improve. And God intends it to improve. And so um, relationships are some of the best things that God gives us in this life. And they are improved. And they are the best they can be when we are walking filled with the Spirit of God. And uh, this, so this is this is, uh, he sees this love in them, and they've loved him this way, and he loves them this way, and he says, he says, I, I I'm confident that God's going to complete the good work because I see the imprint of God's love. Listen, that's what the world needs to see, among God's people, isn't it? Uh, this supernatural love that God gives. Okay, so evidence of God's transformation. How do you see? Uh, God's work in you. Well, you'll, uh, you'll you'll practice heartfelt love. Second, practical help, practical help. So, evidence of God's transformation. Transformation. You see this practical help. He says in verse seven, "You are all partners with me in the grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel." So, you're partners. With me, they helped meet his needs while he was in prison. This, these practical things, because when you were in prison, it's not like today where you get cable TV and three squares a day. Back in those days, if you went to prison and nobody came to bring you food, you didn't get any. Nobody came to bring you clothes; you just wore what what you had till it fell off of you. Uh, it, it was. You were completely dependent on outside people to help you. And so the people were doing this for Paul. They they were bringing him these things, and they were meeting these practical needs. But they were also doing so at a personal risk to themselves, because guess what was going to happen? Paul was in prison for a reason. Somebody didn't like what he was doing. And as they brought those things to Paul, then the, the people would sense and so, uh, the, the, people, the people would sense that that same dislike for Paul was, was being pointed at them. They'd be grouped together and lumped together with them. We talk about getting canceled, and um, uh, people get canceled on the Internet, on social media. And if you're friends and you support with somebody who's being canceled on social media, chances are you're going to be unpopular too, Right? That's the case with Jesus. Jesus was unpopular. His message of the truth, it confronted people's sins. Uh, and, And Jesus was unpopular. His disciples were unpopular. But now the Philippian Christians, as they go to bring stuff to Paul, they're unpopular. They're paying a price for the meeting of these practical needs in his life. But they did it anyway. You see, their, their commitment to Christ wasn't just something they did in convenience. It was something that they were determined to do regardless of the cost. So they met these practical needs. Uh, this was an evidence of God's transformation. And the way that they did it, of course, was also involved heartfelt love. So the evidence of God's transformation uh, practice his heartfelt love, uh, practice br- practical help, Practice bold mission. Bold mission. Look at verse 7. You are partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So he says, you join together with me. You are fellowshippers together with me. It comes from that root word of of koinonia. Uh, We are sharing together in the same mission the same evangelism and he says look he says you have joined me in proclamation of the gospel you've joined me in the defense of the gospel and you're meeting my practical needs but you're also out there with me in the trenches helping to reach people for christ and there is that special encouragement among those who are on the front lines right You know what it's like. You've been there. Uh, I've noticed that as I've gone out with folks uh, in this church uh, to share Christ. There will be days that I'm doing well and they're not doing well, and I encourage them. And there are days that they're doing well and I'm not doing well, and they encourage me. And we kind of hold each other up together as we do the work of Christ. Praise God we're not in this by ourselves, right? We have brothers and sisters in Christ to help us in the mission. But Paul says, look, I see your passion to reach lost people. I see it being lived out. And that bold mission shows me that Christ is at work in your life. He's made a difference in you, and he's going to continue to make a difference till he comes. Our bold mission. Let me ask you something. Are you engaged in bold mission for Christ? Sometimes we think of mission just as something overseas, and it is a very important part of the mission of reaching the world for Christ. But mission is also going across the street to the person that, next, that lives nearby you or uh, mis- ministering somewhere in your community or at work and, and talking to somebody about Jesus Christ. Um, this, this bold mission in their lives showed that God, Christ was at work in their lives in an unusual way. Uh, You know, uh, I heard Adrian Rogers one time say, God can take a crooked arrow and shoot it straight. And uh, I I think that's true. You know, I I can remember when I was a new Christian, I was so excited about Jesus. He changed my life. And, man, I would witness to a fire hydrant. I I mean, I, I was so excited. I didn't always do it in the smartest way. I, I, I was I, sometimes I did it, and and probably I was I may have been abrasive or uh, maybe wasn't as tactful as I could have been, but uh, but I was I was witnessing for Christ, and then but but I found that even when we don't do it the best way, Jesus can still use it. By the way, do you know that you and I are imperfect individuals who do imperfect things all the time? <laughs> we are. We're, we're the clay jars that Paul talked about. He's the glory within. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If somebody comes to Jesus Christ, it didn't because of Roger Pugh and it didn't because of you, it's because of my Lord Jesus Christ and his grace and his mercy, choosing to use imperfect vessels as part of his process, but he is able to do all things well. Uh, Paul saw this passion in their life to try to reach others with the gospel, and he says, I see this bold mission. You are partnering together with me. It excites me to know when to see it. Um, by the way, if you're sharing Christ, I thank God for you, okay? I mean, it excites me. I, I tell you, I've, I've gone online, I, I've watched uh, Brother Carlos preach. I can't understand what he's saying, okay? But it, it fires me up. I, I get excited. I Here he is preaching the gospel in another country. He was saved in this church. I want to tell you something. It makes me want to charge hell with a water pistol. Praise God for those who have a passion to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people who need to hear it. And thank God for the person who shared it with me. (laughs) Um, So... uh, Part of the evidence of God's transformation is a desire to see other people know Christ. And so, he says, if you want evidence of God's transformation, uh, how to show that? Well, practice heartfelt love. Practice practical help. Practice bold mission. Practice comprehensive support. Comprehensive support. Look at verse 7. Um And uh, he says, uh, you are my partners in the grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness, how I deeply miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So um, he says, you're partners with me in grace. By the way, grace... Grace is not just God doing good to us uh, and, and, and blessing us because we know Christ. Okay, That's part of it. But grace is also the empowerment of God for his mission. And Paul says, you're partners together with me in grace. You share together with me in grace. In other words, God, in his grace is using these Philippian believers to encourage and strengthen Paul for the mission. And God's using him to strengthen them for the mission. The grace of God. We're partners together in that. Uh, and, and, And so, guess what? You can be a partner in grace by giving a financial gift to somebody who's in need. Right? You can be a partner in grace by sharing an encouraging word. Or somebody who's discouraged. You can be a partner in grace by sharing a scripture or sharing a testimony or whatever God may lay upon your heart to build up somebody else. You're a partner in grace. So it wasn't just that they met his physical needs while he's in prison. It wasn't just that they joined with him in the gospel, but they actually were partners in ministering the very grace of God to him to build him up and strengthen him for his mission. Have you ever just been discouraged and heard the exact right words you needed to hear at exactly the right time? And don't you appreciate that person who's willing to share it? Um, Praise God for people who will speak into your life and bring encouragement. Um, So he says, "You're partners with me of all grace." Now, obviously, you and I are limited, aren't we? We're limited. You and I have limited time. We have limited resources. Okay? We can't meet every need. Some of you are gifted differently than others. But the point is that in this body of believers, it wasn't just one thing they did for Paul, they had a comprehensive support. So the same thing should be true of us in the lives of each other. Some of you have resources. And perhaps the gift of giving. Uh, and God will lay upon your heart to give to somebody in need. Can I tell you something? That's a ministry of the grace of Christ. Others of you have the gift of gab, right? And uh, you can uh, speak and encourage somebody, share what Jesus is doing in your life. Can I tell you that's a ministry of grace? Others of you have the gift of mercy. I Honestly, People with the gift of mercy impress me. I, I don't have that gift. But uh, what an amazing thing to be able to go to somebody who's sick or infirmed and, and just stay with them and minister to them over days and months and sometimes years. I've seen people in this church do that very kind of ministry. And it's a profound ministry. It's a ministry of grace. Listen, uh, I remember uh, some of y'all remember Ruby Fritz who used to go here, and she's gone to be with the Lord. Has been promoted, and uh, but I remember going to see her in the nursing home, and and I can remember her asking why has God allowed me to be here, and uh, as many people have over the years as I as I've ministered to him. But uh, I was sitting there with her talking in the uh, open area one day, and this lady came up, and and you you know. Sometimes in the nursing home, people are not all there, okay? And you, you just kind of, you can see, I looked in this lady's face, and there was this kind of a hard look. And intent, I, I was kind of thinking, what's she going to do? And she was walking straight for Ruby. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure I'm too comfortable about this. And, uh, and so she bumps into Ruby's seat, and she's glaring at her like this. And Ruby turns It was one of of the neatest things I've ever seen. She turns and she clasps her hand and she grins up at her and she says, Aren't you pretty? That lady's whole face lit up. She went from a hard look to a joyful look. And she was just absolutely delighted. Can I tell you something? I think that's a ministry of grace. It's amazing what God can do with us and where God will put us to touch somebody else. And um, this, this comprehensive support that they had provided for Paul just touched his heart and bound his heart to them. And he said, you know, I just love you guys desperately for all you've done for me. And listen, that's what happens when fellowship is happening right. That's what happens when God's people are using their gift, when God's people are forgiving, when God's people are patient with one another. God comes in the middle of it and brings great unity and great love. So he says, I see this work in you as evidence that God has transformed you. What should we do to show that? Practice heartfelt love, practice practical help, practice bold mission, practice comprehensive support, practice focused prayer. Verse 9, and I pray this. Now, it's obvious in verse 9 that part of what he's praying is yet to come in that verse, okay? But I think he's also praying the specific things he's been thanking God for in their lives that he sees, the heartfelt love, the practice. He's been praying for these things and now he's seeing them. Isn't that exciting? When you pray that God will work in somebody's life and you see it come to pass. Um, sometimes you may pray years for somebody to be saved and that person's saved. I remember my next door neighbor, uh, he was 80 some odd years old and Two months before he passed, he gave his heart to Christ, and uh, his daughter didn't know about it. And he had passed, and, and his little uh, grandson came over and got us, took us over there, and we tried to do CPR, couldn't revive him. But <clears throat> um, as as his, I begin to hear his daughter wail, and if you've ever, you know, people grieve in different ways. If you've ever been somebody who's wailing, uh, it is is. It's kind of haunting, actually. And she's wailing, and she's saying, I don't know if he knew Christ. I don't know if he knew Christ. And I was able to go in there and tell her, your daddy knew Christ. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? Can I tell you, he had 12 kids. 11 of those 12 kids were believers in Jesus Christ. And they have been praying for him for years thought he would never come to faith, and uh, what a joyful thing to be able to celebrate that with them. But um, this this focused prayer is so important. We pray for others. Uh, I can remember um, someone saying, uh, you talk about preachers, preachers come to him for recommendation, uh, and they said, well, I want a church. And he'd begin to list all the characteristics and he said, well, if I knew of a church like that, I'd go there myself. You know, And uh, he said, "He said, listen, if your church has got problems, that's why they need you, right? Uh, listen, there are none of us without problems, are there? I've got problems, you've got problems. We need each other. We need the prayers of each other. Praise God for it uh, when, when God's people pray. I." I, can, I think about my parents and the prayers they offered for me over the years, and, and I'm convinced that, that God has worked in my life um, to bring me to Christ and, and many other things through the prayers of my parents. Um, I think of, of good friends who've lifted me in prayer, mentors, uh, pastor friends. Praise God, the people of this church. Many of you have told me you pray for me. I thank you for it, but I pray for you. Uh, I pray for you every single day as a church, and then as God's Spirit leads me, I pray for you individually. And uh, it, it's amazing what God will do, and and uh, a lot of times that prayer comes at the right, at exactly the right time. I've seen my sister. Uh, she sometimes will send me a message and she'll say, hey, I've been burdened for you this week. Uh, I've been praying for you. And guess what? She she lives in Illinois, but she knew what my need was. She didn't know what my need God knew what my need was. And God moved her to pray, right? What an amazing thing. All those miles away, and yet the Spirit of God can put just the right thing in her heart to pray for me. Uh Paul says, I've been praying for you guys, and I've seen God working, and I'm so delighted with it, Uh, and, and, and because I see God working in you, I see God changing you, I see God moving you to where you're more like Christ, I know, I see the evidence that God has transformed you, and I have high hopes for what he's going to do in the future. Listen, I want to tell you something. We, as the people of God, have a supernatural resource. And he is able to do all things. Let's keep praying for each other. You know, I thank God for the love in this church. Some of you have been so good to me and, and, uh, and, and to each other. And I've, I've observed many things done in the background. Uh, I thank God for you. Uh, let's keep praying for each other. Amen. Let's pray for the protection of the enemy. Let's pray uh, that God will answer the, the different needs in, in our lives because God will take those prayers and He'll use them to make us like Jesus. And, uh, and then one day our faith will be sight. Uh, Paul is moved by the love that he senses for this church. And, you know, many times uh, most churches are not like this, right? Most churches aren't. Uh, Philippi was an exception. many of the places Paul ministered to. it was a continual fight, okay uh, Corinth, I mean you know it was like uh, WWE in there. I mean it was something else. Uh, Corinth had all kinds of problems and and yet, in the imperfections of this world, in the brokenness of god 's people, uh, praise God, we have a hope. This life is not all there is. Jesus is coming, and, and as Paul says, he's going to complete this work in you. That encourages us for this life, but how much more until the day of Christ Jesus encourages us? He's going to continue that work. Uh, have you been changed? Listen, I'm going to tell you the best is yet to come. Whatever good fellowship we experience here, whatever good work God does in us here is just a taste. Paul says in Corinthians, we see through a glass darkly right now, but then face to face. Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, neither has has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them who love him. Woo! Come on, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, Um, if you've been transformed, can I tell you? The best is yet to come. It, it, lift up your head. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for ministering in our lives, God, for the change that you bring through Jesus Christ. And Father, help us to be faithful to practice these things we've been talking about today, and to grow in our, our love for one another, and to grow in our love. For this world that so desperately needs Jesus and Father for those who are, are here today that don't know Christ I pray that today would be the day they'd repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ and Lord that they'd be changed from the inside out forevermore and uh, Lord be with those who are watching online and Lord uh, grant them the ability to genuinely repent of sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ And we pray it in his name. Amen. Amen.